0: This is Abroad in Education, a podcast where I unpack the international suitcase by focusing on edpats and their experiences within education. I'm your host, Tiffany Lachelle. World, world. So so yeah. blood, blood. Hey everybody, welcome to another mini episode. Today I have, I've chosen to name this episode Mugged Abroad, (laughs) and it is a short story that I want to share with you all about the time um, while I was living in Casablanca, Morocco. I was teaching abroad, and I know I've mentioned this plenty of times, but I was teaching abroad in Casablanca, Morocco for two years. I was working at an American school, so I, I actually got there in 2011, and then I ended up leaving in 2013. As I start to reflect on this story, (laughs) Casablanca was a very interesting place because, as many of you know, it is a very French and Arabic-speaking country. And I often define Casa as a silent city for me because I didn't speak Arabic and I didn't speak French. So most of the time when I was walking around the streets, you know, I would hear people speaking regardless of the language, but either way, I did not understand it. And that really kind of impacted who I spent my personal time with, which basically was a lot with... It was basically with my American colleagues. I kind of flocked toward the people who spoke English and then, you know, the, the colleagues that I spent most of my days with. So I really, although I was there for two years, I feel like there's still so much about this country that I don't know because, you know, I just... I didn't have the language. I would go into certain um, restaurants and grocery stores and, you know, even just to use a taxi, you had to have at least survival French. So I was able to get that. But as far as, you know, understanding the way that people think and, you know, their, their opinions about certain things, you know, I just, I did not get that. One of the things that always stands out about CASA is football games (laughs) and of course I'm saying football but um, you know it's the equivalent to soccer and I don't know what is up with America because soccer seems to be this very international common sport you know the World Cup everybody in the world loves it and America we are just not on it yet but folks in Morocco are serious about football you know, the the way that Morocco is set up, each city has their own team, has their own soccer team. So there was Raja, there was Ouidad, there was Maghreb. So there's all of these different soccer teams that are, that are basically um, playing in other spaces and then also playing each other. So there were these huge soccer games that would happen in the city. And you could just hear the whole city participating. I mean, they would just fill the cafes they would have chairs all the way out to the street you know you could you knew if they scored if they didn't it was just a lot of ooh ah you know just all of these different sounds that were happening and from my apartment literally i could hear how people were responding to the soccer games i mean it was just a big deal basically after especially when the when the game was in casablanca after the game Everybody that was at the, the football field, they had to, you know, walk back to wherever it was that they lived. And this would turn into, how can I describe it? It looked like a parade like a or a protest of people that just filled the entire street. And I don't want to say necessarily just people. They were sons, grandsons, daddies, grandpas. I mean, it was just a group of men of different ages that would fill the streets. And they were basically walking from the football stadium and going toward wherever they were going. One of the things, and and especially for those of you who have been to Morocco, um, (laughs) when men express interest in you, it is through the sound of, you know, how we would um, try to get the attention of a dog. And it is that, and it would always just irritate me to walk the streets past men who would do that to me so imagine a protest of men (laughs) walking through doing these little dog kisses and especially if they lost the game it was a lot of you know um, you could walk past car windows that had been burst out you can walk past like vandalism it was just a time that you did not want to be on the street now I have to be honest I have walked with a crowd And it's just, you know, from my experience, people were doing their own thing. I'm walking, they're walking. And it just, it wasn't something that I experienced as far as violence, but it scared me. And it got to a point where even when I was walking on the street, I was afraid of Moroccan men. And especially the fact that I didn't understand what they were saying, I really built a fright around them. So it kind of, it starts with the, I start with this story because it kind of goes into my experience of why I kind of, you know, built up this, this, this fright, During the 2 years that I was there I was I say I was it was attempted muggery <laughs> I was um attempted to be mugged twice and I want to you know kind of go through the stories because during uh, during the time that I was writing my blog on uh, from moral to Morocco, I wrote about these. So I've, I've already informed my family and you know, everybody knows that it's okay. But you know, these are some memories that you kind of tuck under the pillow under the bed, and you just never go back to them. So it's interesting to go back now and think about, you know, what was that like? The first time it happened, I was out uh, walking. I don't know if we were leaving a restaurant or what was happening, but I was out with one of my colleagues, Nicole, and she's actually my girl, where we were good friends as well. And um, we were across the street from the mall and we were getting ready to walk back to our apartments because both of us lived in a in a close space together. So we stop at the mall because she is um inter- someone is interested in her. Uh, a specific Moroccan man stopped her and you know they started talking. Now Nicole, she was learning French. So the whole time that they were talking, they were speaking in French, at least you know the French that she was able to use. So I was basically the third wheel. So both of them are talking and I'm just kind of standing there and, you know, they kind of bring me in when they want to. And then they're really talking to each other. And by the time we stopped, I mean, the sun was going down, but it wasn't dark. And by the time they finished talking, it was dark. So we're getting ready to go. We're we're walking um, toward our apartments and we're leaving one street to go down, um, um, Uh, one of the, the, the big streets. Now the issue is we have two options. We can go down the alley where everything is lit and we're literally about maybe seven minutes away, a seven minute walk. So there's, there's lighting down the alley, you know, or we can go down the main street where it's kind of dark, but there's a lot of cars that are going down the main street. And I don't know if we even thought about this decision, but you know, we ended up going down the alley, (laughs) And as I say it now, I'm like, that probably wasn't the best decision. So um, we're walking down the alley. And this was literally about two minutes after we had walked away from this man. We crossed the street and we're walking down the alley and a car pulls up next to us. And I'm looking at her like, dang, girl, like everybody's interested in you today. Like they're talking because they're interested in her. So we're kind of standing there and the car came up and it parked, you know, nobody got out. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, I'm so ready to tell these guys just to keep going because we're not interested. So finally, one guy gets out and I'm watching him as he approaches us because my, my thought was he was going to approach us. And, you know, ask us for our name or, you know, where are you going? And, you know, I'm just like ready to respond in that way. But when he approached us, he never stopped. So he went right toward Nicole and tried to grab her purse. So he, I'm watching him and I'm just like kind of stuck, like what's going on? I'm, I'm a little confused and she's pulling back and he's pulling and it just turned into like this little battle because she's not letting go. He's not letting go. And I look in the car and there's four other guys in the car and I'm like, oh shoot. So then when I finally snap through Nicole, and she's pulling, he's pulling, she falls, you know, I run, I'm pushing him and I'm like, come on, Nicole, run. So both of us get ready to run. And somehow she tripped. So she's on the ground. He's on the ground. So Finally, somebody heard us and it um, because basically what happens is outside of a lot of the buildings, there's usually a security guard that's just kind of standing there on on guard, on watch for the night. But he must have heard the commotion in the alley and he comes running up. Hey, hey, hey. So he gets the guy. I don't know if he pushed him down or if it was because he was already on the ground. But he's, you know, hey, making making noise, making noise. And I'm just like, okay, now there's help know what came through my mind but Nicole finally got up and I'm like "Mm -mm." I ran to the guy and started punching him in the back of the head (laughs) like you are not gonna do this to me and my girl so the guy the the security guard is trying to get him I'm trying to get him we got his jacket you're not going nowhere and then he finally gets he he, uh, gets loose he gets in the car with his boys and then they all drive off so we are all shook up, shook up, shook up. Now we're on my way, we're on our way to my apartment and the security guard, is, are you all okay? Are you okay? And then someone else, another Moroccan man walks up, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm thinking, we can't go down this alley. <laughs> and I'm sitting here shaking while I'm thinking about it. We can't go down this alley. So instead of going down the alley, we ended up going to um, Nicole's apartment instead and just, you know, went the opposite way. And that was one of the things that really, when it happened, I thought, because we we went back to her apartment and we laughed about it. It was like, oh my goodness, that was crazy. And we just kind of relived it a couple of times. Like, what happened? Did the man that had stopped you, did he set it up? You know, was he waiting on us to walk away? And then he called them to come and get us. Like, we, we just kind of played it out in our head about what had happened. And the next day when I had to walk home, I could not stop looking at everybody like my looking at them was wondering, what are you going to do to me? You know, it was like every person that I walked past, I'm like flinching. Don't move too sudden. You know, what are you going to do to me? And of course, I just, you know, you get to a point where it's like, well, everything is fine. You move past it. You keep going. And, you know, I just started to monitor, you know, don't go out at night, always travel in groups, da-da-da. You just kind of get that set up. But then when it happened the second time, <laughs> this time I was, um, my girl Nikki and I, another colleague of mine, we were invited to a lunch over one of, uh, over to one of our colleagues' homes And I mean, it was a beautiful day. The food was great. Um, This was one of our colleagues that actually had a family. So his wife cooked. We were playing with the kids. We were talking about school. We were comparing our lives outside of CASA and who we were before we got there. (laughs) So it was really a nice day. And uh, because they had made like this huge spread of food, instead of taking a taxi home, Nikki and I decided that we were just going to walk. And and it wasn't a far walk, but it was probably you know, maybe between his house and ours, um, probably about 30 minutes. So we were thinking, okay, let's just walk this food off and we can walk and talk and catch up. And that was basically the plan. So this is broad daylight, we're walking down the street, and we end up walking past a park. And I still remember saying, Oh, I didn't know it was a park over here. Because I was actually in an area that I wasn't really familiar with, like I would ride past it, but I hadn't really like walked it to know what it was like. So we walk past the park, and I'm thinking, Oh, you know, I haven't seen this park before and as we're walking down the street we notice that there are two men that are walking toward us now we're not I mean we're walking we're talking we're not thinking anything it's just like oh we're all walking (laughs) nothing is happening so basically as we're walking forward and they're walking toward us once they walk toward they they walk toward us and they basically pass us And once they passed us, they turned around and each of them got on, one of them got on my side and the other one got on Nikki's side. So it basically looked like there were four people walking down the street, walking and talking. And when I looked down, that's when I saw the knife and he was holding like a big kitchen butcher knife. And I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> like, I thought they were going to every, th- every time, every time this happened, I'm thinking, no, we're not interested. I don't want to. Ho- I don't want you to holler. Like, <laughs> just let us go home. And when I saw the knife, I'm like, OK. Basically, he, you know, it's it's this the, the language. So, you know, whatever he was saying at first, didn't understand it at all. So what he said, he said, telephono dirham telefono dirham and it's like you give me a phone you give me money you give me something. Nikki looked at me and and I'm I'm like grabbing in my purse shaking grabbing in my purse and Nikki looks at me and says you but not give them nothing. So I'm thinking okay we got a plan. Now I don't know what the plan is but obviously if we're not giving them nothing we have a plan. So we're walking we're quiet and he's telefono dirham and all of a sudden, I could tell that the friend that was with him got shook up, and, and he was just kind of lagging behind, and then all of a sudden, he was missing. And I'm, I, I, I feel like everything in the world just stopped, because at a certain point, when we were walking, it's a main street, so there were so many cars going in both directions, just going past, going past. And then, as soon as all of this is happening, the whole street is clear, and I said, Nikki, run. Then It's always me trying to run. <laughs> so all of the cars opened and and both of us just started running and we ran across the street. I mean, there were no cars coming. It was just a completely open street. So we run across the street and we're like, okay, what do we do now? So where you, it, it, I don't know if it was like a, um, like a corner store or something or a laundromat. It was some type of store that was there. And this is the thing. It's a huge language issue. So we're, you know, shook up, frightened, can't say anything, can't ask for help. And this man with this knife had the nerve to cross the street and come over there with us. And he's looking at us almost as if you better not say nothing. So Nikki starts screaming, screaming, screaming. And I reached in my purse and I grabbed my mace. He picks up a rock. I mean, like a big rock and act like he was going to throw it at us. So now at this point, we have everybody's attention. Like everybody is looking. Everybody's confused. Nobody knows what's going on. He's speaking in Arabic and we don't know what he's saying. And he was probably telling them like, you know, maybe we were bothering him. You know, I don't, I, I don't know. Let me just say, I don't know. But everybody was looking at us crazy, like like we were the issue. So um, I remember, and, and it was because there's basically in Morocco, there's these uh, red little pinto taxis, <laughs> and they're usually always full. I remember a taxi came up and he wasn't necessarily stopping for us, but he stopped. And I was just like, okay, Nikki, come on, let's just get in the taxi. Let's just go. And, you know, we were able to get in the taxi, you know, we're all shook up. And I'm just like, what is this? And again, when I walked away from that, I mean, I could not walk the streets. So I found, and this was, you know, basically toward the end of my contract, I found at a certain point. I really just stopped going outside. And it was one of those things where um, when we would go to school, we had transportation that would take us to school. So I found myself in this routine, go to school, go home, go to school, go home. And all of my um, restaurant, not restaurants, all of my grocery stores, everything that I needed, it was basically in the neighborhood. So I felt myself really shutting down, shutting down, shutting down. And then it got to the point where it was time for me to go anyway. But I realize, and, and I guess this is just, you know, wrapping up the whole reality, and this is, it's a reflection, but I find myself shaking just talking about it. I don't share this story to judge Casablanca or to judge Morocco as a bad place because it's not, it's really not. I shared the story just as a piece of my experience of being there. I'm not saying that it's a woman gender thing. I'm not saying that it's a race, African-American, black thing, because there I wasn't even African-American. I was was Senegalese until they heard me talk. (laughs) And then they knew I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a French speaker, so I couldn't be. So it was one of those things where I just got so tired of having to police my movement, I had to, you know, prepare to leave, I had to travel in groups, I had to be home before dark, I could only take taxis, like when I had to start developing my life to fit the space, instead of allowing the space to fit my life, I knew it was time to go. And that's when I decided that I was going to pursue, you know, um, teaching somewhere else. So in the midst of all, all of that, I have to say, you know, Morocco is a beautiful country. I mean, I've traveled to Tangier, Warzazet, Marzuga, Rabat, Esawara, Imlil, Shefshawin, Tukal, Marrakesh, Fez. I mean, I've been all over this country. It's an amazing country, but I've still had a particular experience in it. Thank you for checking in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep the conversation going. Join us in the Abroad in Education private group on Facebook. And for more information about the show, go to matriarchdm.com.